Hey guys, and welcome to the first real episode of Season 2 of Mark's Rabbit Hole. So today I'm going to blast through my crash course in stock vocabulary. So if you don't know what these words mean, it is still possible to do well in the stock market, but your chances of success will probably be lower. And who doesn't like to learn, right? Right. So before I begin, I would like to make something abundantly clear. I'm not a financial advisor and none of this is investment advice. Um, so each term will be explained as if I am explaining it to someone that has no investing or finance experience. Um, I consider doing it alphabetically, so the terms would be easy to search for by scrubbing, but I decided against that um, due to many of the terms and explanations building upon previous ones. Uh, also, I've saved options for last because they are not for everybody and truly a headache to even begin to understand. And I will not be discussing cryptocurrency in this episode at all, uh, because I believe that topic deserves its own episode, so stay tuned for that. But for now, let's stick with the non-crypto stuff. If nothing else, I hope this will help you in gleaning a clearer picture of what's going on out there in the financial world. So you guys ready to glean? Here we go. First of all, obviously, what is a stock? A stock is an actual piece of actual ownership of an actual company. It is not some sort of abstraction. If a company has 10,000 shares and you buy 1,000, you own 10% of that company and have 10% voting rights under most normal circumstances. What is the stock market exactly? The stock market is a somewhat abstract concept of the entire market of corporate securities. The stock market has existed in some form ever since business has existed. There is little agreement among scholars to the exact origin of corporate stock trading, but it has definitely existed since 1602, the founding of the Dutch East India Company. The stock market is often contrasted with the commodities market, the bond market, the real estate market, and as of late, the cryptocurrency market. What is a stock exchange exactly? A stock exchange is a physical location where shares of companies are bought and sold. The Amsterdam Stock Exchange is by and large considered to be the oldest modern securities market in the world. A security must be listed on a certain exchange in order to be traded there. Exchanges act as a platform for a continuous auction process between buyers and sellers of securities. This used to be done with paper contracts and open outcry on the trading floor, but today trading mostly occurs electronically and sometimes with little or no involvement of humans. What is a security? A subdivision of an asset, a security is anything you can invest in that is tradable. When you own shares of a company or bonds of a government or a gold price index, all of these things are considered securities. Options are also securities. So when I discuss stocks, I'm only talking about stocks. When I, talk, when I discuss securities, I'm talking about stocks, bonds, commodities, indexes, etc. So what is a commodity? So commodity is just a fancy term for a raw material that is traded on a market, such as metals, oil, coffee, wheat, eggs, lumber, etc. What is a trading platform? A trading platform is a piece of software owned and maintained by a company that allows investors to trade on their computers or phones. All the major banks have their own trading platforms and there exist many smaller players like Robinhood and Questrade. What is market cap? So the market capitalization of a company is its share price multiplied by the total amount of shares outstanding. It is the total value of the company as determined by its stock price. When you hear people say things like, oh, their stock is only two bucks, look how cheap it is, that means essentially nothing. So if someone tells you a stock is cheap because it is priced at only a few dollars, but they can't tell you the market cap of the company, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. So you can compare companies by market cap, that's a meaningful comparison, but if you're comparing them by price, that means absolutely nothing. What is market share? Market share is a percentage of a certain market that a certain company controls. When one says that Google controls 87% of the mobile operating system market with Android, that means that 87% of the mobile phones out there run on Android. What is the principal? What is known as the principal is the original amount of money you brought into investing acquired by other means, usually working, inheritance, or winnings. 
the principle is contrasted with any gains made in the markets, which are a separate thing. Warren Buffett's first two rules of investing are protect the principle. What is volume? Volume is the number of shares that have traded hands at a particular time. This is usually expressed in average daily volume, which is exactly what it sounds like. However, a security's current volume is expressed in, in how many shares have traded hands during this traded day's trading day so far. Um, high trading volume tends to be correlated with a high degree of movement in the stock's price, be it up or down. What is market price? The market price of a security is the current price determined by latest trades, uh, the price of which is determined by current supply and demand. What is an index? An index is a group of stocks for which the variously weighted averages are calculated and presented to investors. An index of a particular market is used as a barometer of the health of that market and, many would argue, the health of the underlying economy of that market. An index is an indicator of how a certain stock market or business sector or some other slice of the economic pie is doing at a certain point in time. It is a weighted average of a group of stocks believed by analysts to represent their respective sectors as a whole. The average is weighted to compensate for the component companies' respective sizes as well as to account for stock splits. The S&P 500 shows the health of the U.S. stock market. The Nikkei 225 shows the health of the Japanese stock market. The Shenzhen Stock Exchange Index shows the health of the Chinese stock market. Um, the Russell 3000 Growth Index represents companies that display signs of above-average growth. And the FTSE All World Index covers over 3,000 companies in 47 countries and aims to show the health of the global stock market as a whole. The most famous index is the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which consists of 30 blue-chip companies said to represent the health of the economy and to a certain extent, uh, I guess by extension, the global economy as well. Um, at the time of recording, which is July 2021, the 30 companies on the Dow in order of market cap are Apple, Microsoft, Visa, JP Morgan and Chase, Johnson and Johnson, Walmart, United Health, Home Depot, uh, Procter and Gamble, Disney, Nike, Verizon, Coca-Cola, Salesforce, Intel, Cisco, Chevron, Merck, McDonald's, Honeywell, Amgen, Boeing, American Express, Goldman Sachs, IBM, Caterpillar, 3M, Dow DuPont, Walgreens Boots Alliance, and the Travelers Companies. Um, you've probably heard of most, if not all, of these companies and may have noticed that they're all huge and they've been around for a while, and that is exactly the point. When I first started out investing, I started by in-depth analyzing the 30 companies on the Dow, and I believe this is a great starting point for noobs. What is an order? An order is anything you tell your stock trading platform or broker to do. What is a limit price order? A limit price order is an order to buy or sell a security at a specified price or better. If you put in a sell order with a limit price, your security will only be sold if it can be sold at your specified price or more. If you put in a buy order with a limit price, you will only buy the specified security if you can buy it for a specified price or cheaper. What is a stop-loss order? So a stop-loss order is a price you can set on your trading platform to mitigate risk and minimize potential losses. It is placed with a broker to buy or sell once a security reaches a certain price. Stop-loss orders, as well as no all normal stock trading, can only occur during market hours. So if a stock closes at a certain price on one day and then opens at a price lower than your stop-loss order the next day, it is sold at that price, not your stop-loss price. So these things are not foolproof, is the lesson to be learned there. What is the bell? The bell is when the stock market opens, which in North America is at 9.30 a.m., and when it closes, which is 4 p.m. Both of these times are Eastern Standard Time, in which all of North America's main stock exchanges are located, these being the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ in New York, and the TSX in Toronto. Earnings reports are reported either before the bell on Monday to Friday or after the bell Monday to Thursday. Earnings aren't reported during trading hours to ensure everyone has an equal chance to process the news and adjust their orders accordingly. 
What are earnings reports? Earnings reports are financial statements and commentary about said statements released by publicly traded companies at regular intervals during their business cycles. These are presented usually by the CEO and other suits of the company. The overwhelming majority of the time, this is done four times a year, representing quarters. So when someone says Google missed on revenue but beat on profit for Q3 earnings, what they are saying is that Google reported earnings showing that it brought in less money than analysts expected, but made a higher profit than analysts expected in its third quarter of operation this year. Q1 through Q4 are roughly correlated to the passage of the calendar year. What is a mutual fund? A mutual fund, or enterprise trust fund, or ETF, is a group of stocks that acts as a financial instrument of, a, of diversification. So instead of buying all of the components of a mutual fund individually, the investor simply buys the mutual fund itself. This is faster, cheaper, and easier than buying all the individual stocks. They can be a great tool for all types of investors, but are especially appealing to those that can't handle or can't be bothered to be actively investing. Mutual funds are also less risky than buying just a few stocks because your portfolio is more diversified. So what is diversification anyway? Diversification is spreading your portfolio out over many types of investments and many different business sectors. Diversification is seen as a risk mitigation strategy. The thesis is that you should never be super invested in just one industry or stock because each one is bound to get slammed at some point. Uh, recently, the oil and travel industries got rocked. A decade ago, it was the real estate sector that crashed. Uh, two decades before that, the dot-com bubble burst and ravaged the tech sector. Um, so yeah, spreading out your capital over many sectors and investment types limits your exposure to such risks. Diversification of some kind, and to some degree, is recommended by almost every financial advisor. Note that there are different levels of diversification, so you can be diversified across securities, industries, regions, market cap levels, etc. Many investors also hold a certain percentage of their portfolio in cash, which not only contributes to diversification, but also allows them to buy the dip for any drops in prices of securities they're keeping their eyes on. What is the difference between a managed and an unmanaged mutual fund? So a managed fund is actively managed by fund managers that charge a percentage fee every year. They charge this fee regardless of whether the fund gains or loses value. An unmanaged fund is still managed, of course, but it's said to be passively managed. Uh, they charge lower fees, but they usually track an index, so there's not much active work to be done by the managers. Um, what is an index fund? An index fund is a mutual fund that aims to track a certain index. So, for example, the Vanguard S&P 500 index fund aims to track the performance of the S&P 500 and historically has done a great job of doing so. Some believe that investing in index funds is the only real way to invest and that no one beats the market long term. I'm not going to say any more about that, except that those people are wrong. What is hedging? Hedging is the practice of minimizing risk, usually by purchasing options. What is a hedge fund? A hedge fund is an ETF that also enters into options positions, which are usually highly leveraged and therefore engages in riskier investing. Uh, Bill Ackman's Pershing Square is an example of a hedge fund. It should be noted that while Pershing Square is an American company, it cannot be legally traded on any American exchange due to their rules against listing hedge funds. If you want to buy shares in Pershing Square, you must do so on the Amsterdam Stock Exchange, which has different rules. Uh, in 2021, a $20 billion hedge fund called Archegos got margin called and lost all of its value in two days. What is a bond? A bond is a fixed income instrument that is essentially the investor giving the seller a loan at a fixed interest payment price. Uh, governments are big sellers of bonds. What is a GIC? GICs, or Guaranteed Investment Certificates, are boring investments with very little risk and therefore very little reward. Uh, the investor is guaranteed a certain percentage of interest on their investment, but it usually is low. What is EPS? EPS stands for Earnings Per Share. This is the profit a company earned divided by the total number of shares outstanding. 
EPS tells you how much money a company makes per share of their stock. However, much like the price of a stock,、uh, it is not useful for comparing companies because of the differing amounts of shares outstanding. What are dividends? Dividends are when a company decides to share a certain part of its profits with its shareholders. Dividends are usually issued by blue chip players in steady, established industries.、Uh, they are unheard of in young and growing industries, as these companies need to reinvest most, if not all, or more of their profits into themselves.、Um, yeah. What is dividend yield? Dividend yield is the dividend last awarded in dollars divided by share price at the time and expressed as a percentage. The higher this number is, the more investors are rewarded in dividends in proportion to the amount they invested. What are price targets? Price targets, usually expressed as a one year price target average of a handful of supposedly knowledgeable analysts of a stock's price.、Um, this is not a stock statistic that I personally take seriously.、Um, I consider it to be pretty useless, actually. And,、um, And the stat tends to lag, especially with fast growing companies. What is a DRIP? DRIP stands for Dividend Reinvestment Plan. This is an option on most trading platforms that automatically reinvests any awarded dividends back into the stock that generated them. What is a bull market? A bull market is one where the market at large exhibits a trend of growth. What is a bear market? A bear market is the opposite of a bull market. Where the market at large exhibits a trend of decline. What is averaging down? Averaging down or dollar cost averaging is buying more of a security that you already own that has gone down in price. The aim is to lower the dollar cost average of the combined purchase. What is beta? Beta is a measure of the volatility or, or systematic risk of a security or portfolio measured against the market as a whole. There's a formula to calculate beta that I won't discuss here.、Uh, all you need to know is that it describes the activity of a security's returns responding to swings in the market.、Uh, the beta of an individual stock only theoretically tells you how much risk the stock will add or subtract from a, from a diversified portfolio. What is a blue chip stock? These are the old faithful stocks,、uh, businesses that have proven to consistently make money over decades and are seen as safe plays. What is a stock split? A stock split is when a company divides its share price by a certain number and then multiplies its shares outstanding by the same number. This is used by companies to lower their share price for whatever reason. Reasons may include making the stock look more affordable to your average Joe. Uh, so last year, Apple did a four to one stock split, meaning that the stockholders received four shares for each share they owned, but the new shares were priced at a quarter of the pre split price. In the same year, Tesla did a five to one split, so stockholders received five shares for each share they owned, but the new shares were priced at a fifth of the pre split, pre -split price. A wise man once said, He who thinks stock splits mean anything knows nothing about stocks. He who thinks stock splits are meaningless knows nothing about human psychology. That wise man is me. What is a reverse stock split? A reverse stock split is the opposite of a stock split. The holders get fewer shares with a higher price. So, a recent reverse stock split was done by Aurora Cannabis.、Um, their stock was dipping below a dollar, so they did a 12 to 1 reverse split. This means that stockholders ended up with 12 times fewer shares, but these new shares were priced at 12 times the pre reverse split price.、Uh, so keep in mind that stock splits of any kind do not change the real value of a company at all, and sometimes must be done, as, is the case, as was the case with Aurora Cannabis, for a company's stock not to be delisted from certain exchanges. Uh, the fact that stock splits and reverse stock splits can and do happen all the time is another reason why comparing stocks by their price is completely meaningless. What is a stockbroker? A stockbroker is a professional who executes buy and sell orders for securities on behalf of a client for an agreed upon fee. There is a lot of overlap of stockbrokers and registered representatives and investment advisors. What is day trading? Day trading is a stock trading strategy consisting of buying and holding a stock for very short periods of time. What is pre market and after hours trading? 
So this is trading that occurs on platforms other than the main exchanges. Stocks change hands for a few hours before 9.30 a.m. and a few hours after 4 p.m. These act as predictors of what the securities price will be following the market open. Uh, imperfect predictors, of course. Every predictor in the stock market world is obviously imperfect. What is a high and low? So a high is the highest price a stock reached during a given period of time. And a low is the lowest price the stock reached during a given period of time. So you have your all-time high, all-time low, daily high, daily low, yearly high, yearly low, etc. What is an IPO? IPO stands for Initial Public Offering. Uh, this is when a heretofore private enterprise has decided to raise capital by selling some ownership stake of itself in the public stock market. Uh, recent high-profile IPOs include Beyond Meat, Uber, Fiverr, Peloton, Chewy, Pinterest, TradeWeb, Coinbase, and Coursera. Uh, why do companies IPO anyway? So the motivations behind filing for an IPO are numerous and vary widely. However, from the company's perspective, all it is essentially doing is selling pieces of itself while hopefully maintaining control of itself to raise money to invest into itself. And there's also a huge visibility factor involved. If you're publicly traded, more people will know you exist. Uh, why would a company choose not to IPO? So again, um, motivations vary widely, but perhaps a company does not need to raise funds or does not want to make its finances public knowledge or perhaps has some shadiness going on within its operations. What is a margin account? A margin account is one in which the customer borrows cash from the broker to purchase financial products, mainly stocks. The loan is collateralized by whatever it was used to purchase and cash must be paid interest on. This is one way to gain leverage on an investment and represents a high risk, high reward scenario for the buyer. It is high risk because the margin account holder's money is the first money lost if the investment goes south. I mentioned earlier the implosion of the hedge fund Archegos this year. This happened because they were heavily over-leveraged and got margin called. So $20 billion of value gone in two days. That is a fuck up and a half there, Jim. What is leverage and how do I get it? So the word leverage can mean a few things in the finance world. Uh, leveraged investments are when investors or companies use borrowed capital as a funding source. It is a strategy of using borrowed money or borrowed capital to increase the potential return. It aims to multiply returns from a gambit, but will also multiply potential downside risk. Leverage also refers to the degree that a company is in debt. A highly leveraged company has more debt than equity. Brokers usually have stricter requirements for leveraged trading because of its additional risks. What is a margin call? A margin call is issued by a broker to an investor when the value of their margin account falls below the broker's required amount. To satisfy a margin call, the investor must deposit additional funds. Um, margin call is also a pretty good movie about the dark side of the 2008 financial crisis. What is a moving average? A moving average is a curve on a stock chart in which every point is the average price in a given amount of time before and after it, rather than the price at that particular moment in time. Uh, moving averages are especially useful for seeing trends in very volatile assets whose charts, whose charts can be all over the place. Um, they're a good way to show trends with different time horizon scopes. So you can have like your 10-day moving average, 200-day moving average. Um, uh, it's basically seeing the, f you know, the view from 30,000 feet, let's say. What is a penny stock? Penny stocks are stocks of companies with small market cap, which tend to have share prices at or significantly below $1. The generally accepted definition of a penny stock is one in which the underlying company has a market cap of under $250 million. Um, there are different rules for penny stocks regarding ownership, regulation, and even being able to talk about them online. What is a portfolio? A portfolio is someone's or a company's total collection of investments and cash. What is a rally? A rally is a rapid increase in price, also known as a spike. But spike, at least to me, carries with it intonations that it is likely to come back down. Um, what is a crash? A crash is a rapid decrease in, a, in price of stocks in a certain sector or exchange. 
famous crashes in recent history include the stock exchange crash of 1929 that caused the Great Depression, 1987's Black Monday, uh, the 1998 Asian crash, the bursting of the 2000 dot-com bubble, and the 2008 financial crisis, and the 2020 COVID-19 crash. What is a flash crash? A flash crash is a very rapid decrease in price, usually caused by algorithmic trading, followed by a very rapid price recovery. Uh, Sometimes the causes of flash crashes are obvious, sometimes they take research to uncover, sometimes the reasons proposed are controversial, and sometimes they remain spooky due to never being satisfactorily explained at all. What are algorithms? Algorithms are stock trading software that consist of many statements of if this, then that. If something else, then that other thing. They are what enable hyperfast trading with no humans involved. What is a business sector? So a business sector is a general category that business and the businesses and their stocks are grouped into. These are agricultural, agriculture and food, construction, consumer goods, energy, manufacturing, service, tech, and finance. Uh, sometimes a poor earnings report in a business sector leader can have a ripple effect on other companies in the same sector. Um, and, of course, the opposite is true. An alternative analysis called the three-sector theory of economies subdivides them into the primary sector, which produces raw materials, the secondary sector, which carries out manufacturing, and the tertiary sector, providing sales and services. What is a spread? A spread is the difference between two prices, rates, or yields of a given security. A bid-ask spread is the gap between the bid and ask prices of a security. What is a bid and what is an ask? A bid is an order to buy a security at a certain price. An ask is an order to sell a security at a certain price. Billions of these orders interact and exchange with each other, and this supply and demand activity is what governs price movement. What is volatility? Volatility is a measure of how much a price of a security swings. In general, new, unproven companies and new industries see a lot of volatilities in their share prices, while old, blue-chip stocks see little volatility. Of course, many exceptions to this rule exist. What is a stock's book value? Book value is the estimated total total value of everything that the company owns, including plant, property, and equipment, goodwill, patents, cash, and cash equivalents, etc. What are PE, PB, and PS ratios? So P over E is price per share divided by earnings per share. P over B is price per share divided by book value per share. And P over S is price per share divided by sales per share. Notice that uh, per share is in the numerator and the denominator of all of these ratios, so they are irrespective of stock price which is good because you can compare companies by their PE, PB, and PS ratios and you know, gain some insight from that rather than uh, you know, earnings per share or the price. Um, these ratios are used to determine and compare how cheap or expensive a stock is relative to its, fundamental, uh, its fundamentals. A stock with a low price-to-earnings ratio means that you are paying less to invest in a company that is earning more. Um, A stock with a low or negative price-to-earnings ratio means that you are paying more to invest in a company that is earning less or not earning at all. Um, This is usually the case in new growth industries where rapid growth and expansion are seen as more key to the stock's valuation than past performance. Uh, What is technical analysis? Technical analysis is basically looking at graphs of a a security's past performance and making predictions on future performance based solely on that. Um, I and many others believe that technical analysis does have some value, but not for predicting future performance nor price action. Um, I like to group the analysts, and I'm using that term loosely here, that engage in such fortune-telling predictions with with numerologists and astrologists, uh, seriously. What is fundamental analysis? So fundamental analysis looks looks at things like a company's financial statements, board of directors, market share, potential for growth, 
etc., rather than just the chart of its stock. In my opinion, this is much more sound analysis than technical analysis. What is GAAP? So GAAP with two A's stands for Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. These are rules that professional accountants and bookkeepers follow when preparing financial statements so they are consistent and therefore easy to compare um, and to minimize potential for any untoward activity to go undetected. What are financial statements? So financial statements are reports detailing a company's performance during a given quarter. Um, these are regulated by GAAP. These statements show investors and observers how a company's business operations are faring and what it is doing with its cash in a standardized format. Uh, so what is an income statement? A company's income statement lists where all of its money came from, all of its revenue came from. Um, what is a balance sheet? A company's balance sheet details the company's ca current cash position, so it shows all the assets, liabilities, and shareholders' equity. What is a cash flow statement? A company's cash flow statement tells investors where a company is spending or investing the money it has made, if any. What is insider trading? Insider trading is when a trade is made based on non-publicly available information. Uh, if you're thinking that insider trading must be hard to detect, hard to prove, hard to avoid, and hard to police, congratulations, that thinking is the correct type of thinking. The first prosecuted case of insider trading was in 1909. Uh, the most notable modern high-profile example of prosecution for insider trading would be Martha Stewart, uh, then Imclone CEO Samuel D. Waxall, and Stewart's broker at Merrill Lynch, Peter Bakanovich. Uh, Martha Stewart did a few years in jail for this. Um, what is a pump and dump? A pump and dump is a scheme in which an individual or other entity with a lot of influence buys a certain security, endorses it publicly in an attempt to increase the price, and then promptly sells the security for a profit. Um, these are usually performed on penny stocks. These are illegal, of course, but many pump and dumpers have gotten very creative and subtle with their methods. Uh, the SEC is supposed to monitor, police, regulate, and discipline the markets from the aforementioned shady types of behavior, but it obviously happens all over the place all, all the time. Uh, the rapper 50 Cent was in some legal trouble due to pumping and dumping a microcap stock of a company called H&H Imports in the early days of Twitter. What is a Ponzi scheme? A Ponzi scheme is a fraudulent mechanism in which early investors are rewarded via constantly needed cash from new investors. Um, it's the same thing as a pyramid scheme. They are, of course, illegal, but often the lines between what is a Ponzi scheme and what is a novel business mechanism can be a little blurry. Uh, one case in which they certainly were not blurry was the largest Ponzi scheme of all time. It was run by Bernie Madoff and worth $68.4 billion. It was exposed during the 2008 financial crisis, uh, and Madoff sat in jail until his death in 2021, and in all seriousness, good riddance. Fuck that guy. Um, it should be noted that Madoff invented the Nasdaq and that it took a global financial meltdown and his kids ratting him out for him to get caught. So yeah, one of the most brilliant financial minds of all time and he used it to defraud countless people of billions of dollars. When you say invented the Nasdaq, what does that mean? So the NASDAQ is the youngest of the big exchanges in the U.S. Uh, it is the trendy exchange to be listed on if you are a tech company. Uh, started in 1960 in what would become known as the NASDAQ, Madoff's firm used innovative computer technology to disseminate its quotes and became a more efficient market maker than the New York Stock Exchange. So yeah, while Bernie Madoff was a massive scumbag and criminal, his influence on modern money markets cannot be understated. Uh, what is a market maker? So market makers are firms or individuals that provide active quotes of both bids and asks along with market size of each. Uh, market makers are responsible for the liquidity and depth that many markets enjoy. What is the SEC? SEC stands for the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. It is the federal body governing and regulating trading securities in the United States. 
Uh, it exists to promote a competitive and fair trading environment so things like Enron and Nortel don't happen again, or at least don't happen as often as they otherwise might. Uh, criticisms of the SEC include that it is at best incompetently toothless and at worst a victim of regulatory capture. What is regulatory capture? Regulatory capture is said to have occurred if a certain group of like-minded individuals have secured seats on a regulatory board to render it unable to perform or enforce a specific reason for its existence. Um, so yeah, on the SEC, there's a lot of former, you know, J.P. Morgan and Chase guys or Goldman Sachs guys that, you know, should they be there? Uh, you decide. What is a monopoly? A monopoly is defined as one company having 90% or more market share in a certain space. However, less than 90% market share can achieve an effective monopoly. Uh, Microsoft had a monopoly on operating systems. Uh, many railways have monopolies on the railway space. Luxottica is a monopoly by owning all the major brands of sunglasses as well as being very vertically integrated in related industries. Uh, Google has an effective monopoly on search. Um, Standard Oil had a monopoly on American oil before its breakup in 1911 into many companies that still exist today. Um, it should be noted that this breakup of Standard Oil was because they were a huge monopoly. Companies with patents enjoy a legal monopoly on their inventions for a certain amount of years. Um, monopolies definitely stifle competition but they're not necessarily bad um however a company abusing its monopolistic position in one market to achieve an unfair advantage in another market is a big no-no uh, microsoft was in hot water in the 90s for allegedly abusing its monopoly on operating systems with windows um against to, pr to promote internet explorer against other competing uh, web browsers um, companies that have monopolies, um, legit monopolies, are seen as safe investments because, well, they have the monopoly. Uh, what is a duopoly? A duopoly is a monopoly shared by two companies. So Google and Apple have a duopoly on mobile operating systems. Uh, Apple and Microsoft have a duopoly on non-mobile operating systems. Coca-Cola and Pepsi enjoy a duopoly on soft drinks. Uh, UPS and FedEx did have a duopoly on American shipping, but this is quickly eroding with new players in the space. What is an oligopoly? An oligopoly is a monopoly shared by more than two companies. So uh, Boeing, Airbus, Embraer, and Bombardier have an, have an oligopoly on passenger aircraft manufacturing. What is a monopsony? That's M-O-N-O-P-S-O-N-Y. Terrible word. Uh, anyway, a, monop and a monopsony is a market in which there's only one buyer, usually a corporation. A mining town is an example of a monopsony. The mining company acts as, as, acts as essentially the only employer in the town, and therefore they are the sole purchaser of labor in the town. This is essentially the mirror of a monopoly in the sense that in a monopoly there's only one seller, and in a monopsony there's only one buyer. What is an oligopsony? An oligopsony is to a monopsony what an oligopoly is to a monopoly. What a mouthful that was. What is a dark pool? Dark pools are controversial off-market trading platforms that hedge funds use to trade amongst themselves for various reasons. I'd imagine that some of the most important reasons are hiding their actions from the market at large, much like a company buying up swaths of land quietly does so as many shell company subsidiaries. Dark pools are very sketchy, and many think they should not be allowed due, the, due to the market manipulation they lead to. What is a perfect market? So a perfect market isn't a real thing. It is a hypothetical economic concept that is useful for, um, for describing how efficient actual markets are. So in a perfect market, there is an infinite number of buyers and sellers, and all of them have access to up-to-date information on the market. The same products offered by two different companies are identical in a perfect market. Um, a perfect market in equilibrium will not allow two different prices for identical assets or products. 
What is an efficient market? An efficient market is one that has many characteristics of a perfect market. The stock market itself is a very efficient market, so there are many sellers, buyers. There are many sellers and buyers. The product sold doesn't vary from seller to seller. Uh, buyers and sellers have near complete information about stocks. Um, yeah, so an example of an inefficient market would be the trading routes on the South China Sea a few centuries ago. So traders could outrun the news of significant events that influenced prices on certain goods and make a killing in arbitrage. Uh, and many did just that. Another example of an inefficient market is one in which there is little or only one of the thing that is being sold, such as um, like one-of-a-kind art pieces. Uh, what is a moat? A moat around a business is a metaphorical term coined by Warren Buffett, referencing the protection that a moat affords the castle it surrounds. Uh, a business is said to have a moat if it has some sort of competitive advantage and or barriers to entry that are unlikely to be copied or overcome by a potential competitor. Uh, moats can be patents, high barriers to entry, a strong brand, or even less obvious things like a key employee. What is activist investing? So activist investing is a controversial practice where billionaires really flex their capital to drive change in the companies they invest in. Uh, usually expressed via open letters and demands for seats on the board. This is seen by some as a natural market force and a good thing, while others view it as corporate rating, especially when the demands are a company be split up or sold off as parts. Uh, famous activist investors include Carl Icahn and Bill Ackman. What is an income trust? An income trust is an investment similar to common stock, but structured to distribute cash flows from its underlying business or businesses to unit holders in a tax-efficient way. What is an REIT or REIT? REIT stands for Real Estate Income Trust, and REIT is a company that owns and usually operates real estate that produces income somehow. They usually own many different types of commercial real estate. What is high-frequency trading? High-frequency trading is exactly what it sounds like. It is trading done by algorithms, and many trades hap may happen in a very short period of time. Uh, sometimes positions are held for literally fractions of a second. This happens so fast that proximity to physical stock exchange becomes a significant differentiator. What is a trading halt, and why is it even a thing? A trading halt is a temporary suspension of trading. It can occur on a certain security or on an entire stock exchange. Uh, when a halt on trading of a specific security occurs, it is usually due to some scandal specific to that security or just a huge move in its price. Uh, when a halt on an entire stock exchange happens, it is usually due to a huge decrease in price of its indexes. All trading halts are designed to level the playing field for the big guy versus the little guy. Uh, the New York Stock Exchange will trigger a cross-market trading halt at three circuit breaker thresholds. Uh, these thresholds measure a decrease against the prior day's closing price of the S&P 500 index. Level 1 is a 7% drop, level 2 is a 13% drop, and level 3 is a 20% drop. Um, levels 1 and 2 both trigger a 15-minute trading halt, um, and a level 2 circuit break must occur on or before 3.25 p.m. Eastern Time. After a level 3 breach, trading is halted for the remainder of the trading day. A level 3 breach can be triggered at any time. It is worth noting that in the entire history of the New York Stock Exchange, levels 2 and 3 have never been breached, and that trading has only ever been halted twice. Level 1 was breached during the 2008 financial crisis and once in 2020 during the coronavirus pandemic and oil price war. Uh, trading halts are controversial but are generally seen as a nice buffer system to level the playing field and to prevent or at least, or at least limit generally undesirable, th undesirable things like mass panic selling, flash crashes, and bank runs. What are economies of scale? An economy of scale is a proportionate savings and costs uh, gained by increased level of production. So essentially this means that the more of something you make, uh, the cheaper the average cost of making one individual unit will be. So the larger a company becomes, the less time and money it will have to spend on producing whatever it sells. 
what is a Potemkin village? So in politics and economics, a Potemkin village is any construction, literal or figurative, whose sole purpose is to provide an external facade uh, for a country or company which is faring poorly, making people believe or attempting to make people believe that they are faring better. The term comes from stories of a fake portable village built solely to impress Empress Catherine II by her former lover Grigory Potemkin during her journey to Crimea in 1787. Examples of Potemkin villages in the corporate world would be companies like Enron, Theranos, WeWork, and Fire Festival. Uh, North Korea would be a very poorly executed example of a country that is a Potemkin village. Um, this was f infamously showcased when the high-rise buildings seen in North Korea near the DMZ were shown to be fake. Uh, what is buy and hold? Buy and hold is exactly what it sounds like. It is an investment strategy where you buy a certain security and you don't sell it unless you absolutely have to. Um, the term is used to contrast against, I guess, act active trading. What is implied volatility? Implied volatility is the expected magnitude of a stock price's fluctuations. What is SWOT analysis? So SWOT, S-W-O-T, stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, all four must be considered when buying into a company, and it is not always easy to objectively do so. Uh, what is the BCG matrix, and why is it useful? So BCG stands for the Boston Consulting Group's Product Portfolio Matrix. Uh, BCG matrices are mainly used by marketing teams, and marketing teams is analysis of their product portfolios, but I consider them very useful when discussing stocks as well. So this may be a tad tricky to convey in an audio-only medium, but let's give it a go. So picture or draw a Cartesian plane. If you don't know what a Cartesian plane is, shame on you, but it is a graph with uh, positive and negative values on both axes, so it looks like a big plus sign. On the vertical axis, we have market share from low to high going south to north. And on the horizontal axis, we have growth potential from low to high going west to east. Uh, these two factors are the most important factors in picking stocks, in, uh, in my opinion. So let's forget units of measurement for this and just say that if a point is high on the horizontal axis, that company has high market share. And if, it, and if it is low on the horizontal axis, it has low market share. And if a point is high on the vertical axis, that company has high growth rate. And if it is low on the vertical axis, it has a low growth rate. All right, good. So now we're going to analyze each quadrant of our Cartesian plane. So in the northeast quadrant, we have stars. Stars are companies with high market share and high growth rate. So these are companies with a healthy business and lots of potential for more gains. Um, Facebook has been a star of the mobile advertising space for years now. They absolutely dominate the market and are growing like crazy. Um, so these are a great spot for your monies. But the tricky part, of course, is identifying which companies are stars. In the northwest quadrant, we have question marks. Uh, they're also known as problem children. So they enjoy a high growth industry, but they have a low market share in it. Uh, these certainly have the potential for future gains, but companies tend to have low market share for a reason. Uh, these are more speculative gamble plays than their star counterparts. In the southwest quadrant, we have dogs. Uh, low market share companies in low growth industries. So an example of this would be your local independent movie rental store. Um, I'm not sure it needs to be said, but I'll say it anyway. Keep your money away from dogs. And in the southeast quadrant, we have cash cows, so high market share companies in low growth industries. So these are blue chip stocks that have a dominant market position in mature industries. Uh, and they essentially just print cash with their steady and large operations, um, but are always at risk of some sort of external disruption. But that can be said about anything, really. Um... What is a unicorn? So a unicorn is a term coined in 2013 by venture capitalist Aileen Lee. It refers to a private company valued at over a billion dollars. Some observers extend this idea further as follows. So a decacorn is a private company worth over $10 billion. So examples of decacorns include SpaceX and Tinder. Uh, and Centicorn for one worth over $100 billion. So example of Centicorns include Binance, the cryptocurrency exchange, 
not to be confused with ByteDance, another Centicorn, which is uh, the company that owns TikTok. What is a future? A future is an option. Uh, they are referred to as futures because they are said to predict future prices. Um, for example, certain financial institutions sell futures of market indexes the night before the market opens and in the morning before the bell. Uh, observers use the prices of these options to predict, with varying degrees of success, how the market is likely to open. Uh, people often check what the futures are saying in the evening after some sort of large event has occurred after the bell. Uh, this is an imperfect yet not useless barometer of how the market will react to the news when the market opens the next trading day. So what are options? <laughs> Options are the most abstract financial instruments and by far the most difficult to understand, so I have saved them for last. An option is a contract the buyer and seller enter to buy a specific security at a certain price by a certain time or to sell a specific security at a certain price at a certain time. Um, so calls and puts are the two main types of options. Uh, the holder of the contract has the right, but not the obligation to buy in the case of calls or sell in the case of puts a certain amount of shares at any time between the purchase date and a specified date in the future known as the expiration date. Option contracts are written in blocks of 100 shares for a certain strike price on a certain date in the future. Uh, these contracts are written into existence and then traded on trading platforms just like stocks and other securities. Most options are used to hedge risk, um, as well as being vehicles for speculative plays. Their value represents an interplay of the underlying asset value, time until expiration, market volatility, and other market forces. Um, options can be used as executive compensation or as a part of a complex financial transaction. Um... All options have objectively measurable intrinsic value, implied extrinsic value determined by supply and demand of the market, and time decay. Um, so let's go through what the hell that means. Um, first, actually, okay, so what is an option strike price? So a strike price is the set price at which a deriv derivative contract can be bought or sold when it is exercised. Um, this will make sense in a moment, or make more sense. Um, what is exercising an option? So exercising an option is ordering your broker to demand from the seller to deliver what the option contract promised. Uh, options are rarely exercised before their expiration date, uh, but they're, they're sold for more than they could fetch due to their extrinsic value. Um, and it should be noted that any option that is in the money upon expiration is automatically exercised. So what is intrinsic value? Intrinsic value is the dollar amount that an investor could profit from exercising an option at a particular point in time. Uh, it is a law in options trading that no option may be priced below its intrinsic value because that proposition involves no risk uh, and, uh, and is an arbitrage opportunity. So that's not a real thing that happens. Uh, what is extrinsic value? Extrinsic value or time value of an option is value beyond its intrinsic value that the market has decided that option has. It is the difference between what you could sell the option for and what um, exercising the option would yield. Uh, and what is time decay? So time decay is the gradual shrinking of extrinsic value as time approaches the expiration date. Uh, what is the options contract multiplier? So the options contract multiplier for stock options is 100. This means one option contract controls 100 shares. So if you buy 10 option contracts, whatever that option allows you to do, allows you to do it on 1,000 shares. So 10 times 100. Um, what are in the money, out of the money, and at the money? So in the money is a state of an option where selling it would already yield the investor a profit. Out of the money is a state of an option where selling it would result in a loss. And at the money is the break-even point between these other two states. Alright, so uh, you still with me? Uh, is any of this getting through? Okay, hopefully these characteristics will make 
more sense with some examples, uh, but no promises. This is this is pretty high level stuff. Okay, so the two main types of options are calls and puts, and investors may buy or sell calls or puts. This means that there are four main types of option strategies. You buying calls and selling puts are bullish strategies, while selling calls and buying puts are bearish strategies. All right, so what are calls? So buying calls is also known as holding a long call position. A call option contract gives the holder the right to buy the underlying asset at a specified price on or before expiration of the contract. The buyer benefits when the price of the underlying asset increases. Uh, like puts, calls are contracts independent of ownership of the underlying asset and can be leveraged. Uh, the downside of a call is limited to the price paid for the call contract, but the potential upside is infinite. So let's say Facebook's stock price is $300 today. If I buy one contract of January 23rd, 2023 calls on Facebook with a strike price of $400, what that means is I have the right, but not the obligation, to buy 100 shares of Facebook for $400 a share at any point before January 23rd, 2023. Um, so if Facebook's share price approaches or surpasses $400 well before this date, uh, I now hold a very valuable option that I can exercise or sell for a handsome profit. Um, let's say Facebook hits $500 a share and I exercise my call. So I would get $10,000, the call's intrinsic value, which is $500, what I can sell Facebook for on the open market, minus $400, what I can buy Facebook for thanks to my call option, multiplied by 100, the options contract multiplier. Or I can sell this contract on the options market for more than this amount due to its extrinsic value, which is higher the further away the expiration date is. If Facebook's share price doesn't reach $400 by this date, the option will expire literally worthless. Um, so people can and do lose 100% of their investment with call options all the time, uh, whereas Facebook would have to go bankrupt for the same thing to be true of um, actually holding the stock. Um, so calls are riskier than owning stock, but they amplify gains, um, which, is, uh, which is an example of leverage. Um, however, they can expire completely worthless. What about selling calls? Selling calls is also known as holding a short call position or short selling. Selling a security short is a financial instrument to profit if the price of that security goes down. However, if the price of that security increases, the losses for the owner of the short contract are potentially infinite. Uh, a recent play by Bill Ackman's Pershing Square is a great example of a successful short sell, and I actually consider this to be the best trade of all time. So in the spring of 2020, Ackman identified that COVID-19 would rock the markets like nothing the world has ever seen, um, and this hedge fund Pershing Square bet against the market in a rather roundabout and complex way. Uh, they did this by buying as many contracts on credit default swaps as they could and then exercise those options shortly after 2020's big crash. So if you don't know what that means, uh, don't worry, I barely know what it means myself. All you need to know is that uh, his $27 million bet turned into $2.6 billion. So that is, that is a 9,600% gain in less than a month. If this is not financial genius, I don't know what is. Uh, some see this as legit and beautifully executed hedging of Pershing Square's portfolio against a market downturn, while others see it as yelling fire and profiting off of tragedy, um, especially after Ackman himself went on TV and publicly made some doom and gloom predictions. Um, also, the movie The Big Short was all about a massive short sell that paid off handsomely after the 2008 financial crisis. What else about short selling? Um, oh yeah, the potentially infinite losses are why many sellers will only sell calls short if they're covered by another position, um, usually owning the underlying stock. Uh, if they don't do this, which is referred to as naked shorting, um, they can get into big trouble, which we are currently seeing in the hedge fund Citadel and GameStop fiasco. 
Diamond Hands, ladies and gentlemen. Diamond Hands. Oh yeah, real quick. Diamond Hands is slang for holding a security no matter what. Uh, and the opposite is Paper Hands, which is slang for selling a security at the slightest whiff of bad news. But, uh, but I digress. Back to options. So what are puts? So buying puts is also known as holding a long put position. Uh, a bearish strategy, a put is the opposite of a call, but not to be confused with the other end of a call, which is short selling. Uh, a put is an options contract that gives the owner the right, but not the obligation, to sell a certain amount of a security at a set price within a specific time. So like calls, puts are contracts independent of ownership of, of the underlying asset and can be leveraged. The downside of a put is limited to the price paid for the put contract and potential upside is limited to the difference between the stock's price and, uh, and zero. So it's limited to the stock's price. Puts are often purchased as insurance policies against the price of their underlying asset dropping. Um, so say, you hold, say you've held a stock for years and you think you know something crazy happened and you think it might go down. Maybe you can buy puts on that so you can sleep better at night. Um, pretty bad example. Let's 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 mirror the uh, let's mirror the Facebook example from calls. So let's say Facebook's stock price is three hundred dollars today. If I buy one contract of January twenty third two thousand twenty three puts on Facebook with a strike price of two hundred dollars, that means I have the right but not the obligation to sell 100 shares of Facebook for 200 bucks a share at any point before January 23rd, 2023. So this is unlikely to be a profitable option since Facebook would have to shave a third of its market cap for it to be a profitable play. And therefore, for this reason, would probably be a pretty cheap put in terms of premium paid for it. Um, note that you don't actually have to hold the stock to exercise your right to sell it. You're rather just paid the difference between the two values. So let's say Facebook does plunge all the way down to $150 a share well before the expiration date of my put. Um, I now own a very valuable option. Um, so I can exercise this to yield $5,000, which is the intrinsic value. Um, this is this comes from so two hundred dollars is what I can sell uh, Facebook shares for one hundred fifty dollars is what I can buy them for on the open market so that's a fifty dollar difference and then fifty times a hundred is five thousand that's that options contract multiplier uh, so remember each contract you buy for a call or a put um, represents uh, the right to do whatever that option allows you to do for 100 shares. So it'll be $5,000, which is the intrinsic value, uh, minus the premium I paid for the put contract will be my profit. I will, however, likely sell the put for more than this amount rather than exercise it because of its extrinsic value, which is high because the expiration date is still far away. Note that extrinsic value approaches zero the closer the expiration date is. Let's say Facebook's share price goes down from the original $300 to $200 right before the expiration date. Uh, so my put is worthless because there is no benefit to owning a contract allowing me to sell Facebook shares at $200 a share, since I can just do so on the open market. Um, not only is my put worthless, um, I have also lost money on the trade due to the premium I paid. Um, however, if Facebook drops to $200 well before my expiration date, my put would still be valuable since it has significant extrinsic value. So what about selling puts? So selling puts is also known as holding a short put position. Uh, this is a bullish strategy. A seller of puts profits if the price of the underlying asset trades sideways or increases before their expiration. Um, if the stock price falls, you do lose money, but unlike short selling, your losses are limited um, since share prices do not drop below zero. Okay, so to summarize, buying calls and selling puts are bullish strategies, meaning that the investor is hoping that the stock price goes up. Buying calls has potentially infinite upside, while selling puts has a maximum upside. Buying calls has limited downside, which is the premium paid for the call. 
Selling puts also has limited downside, which is the total value of the underlying stock. Short selling and buying puts are bearish strategies, meaning that the investor is hoping the stock price goes down. Short selling has limited upside, which is the total value of the underlying stock. Buying puts also has limited upside, which is the strike price minus the premium. Short selling has potentially infinite downside, while buying puts has a maximum downside, which is the premium paid for the put. The premium is what an option costs to buy. The strike price is the price of the stock that the option allows me to buy or sell at. Out of the money is bad, at the money is okay, and in the money is good. Intrinsic value is what I could get for exercising an option today. Extrinsic value is extra value beyond intrinsic value that I can get by selling the option to someone else rather than exercising it. And time decay is the gradual erosion of extrinsic value as the expiration date comes closer. Complicated, isn't it? <laughs> and if it all sounds kind of like Vegas, that's because a lot of it is. So options were first created to hedge risk, but many people use them for all kinds of purposes, including what essentially amounts to gambling. So investing in the stock market isn't a zero-sum game. However, betting on calls and puts is. Um, what that means is every dollar you make trading options, someone out there lost a dollar. Conversely, every dollar you lose trading options, someone out there gained a dollar. Uh, this, of course, ignores trading fees, but illustrates the, um, the betting casino-like nature of this market. Okay, so that's as deep as I feel I should be diving into options here. Um, if you're just getting your feet wet in investing, forget about options, just buy some stocks. Um... And I guess that wraps it up for all the lingo that I believe is essential to investing. Thanks for coming out for season two, guys, and thanks for listening this far. I hope you guys learned something today, and I hope it helps you make money out there. Uh, passive income is a hell of a drug. All right, I'm out of here. I'll talk to you guys next week. This has been Mark.